right. Well, again, so grateful to be with you guys here this morning. Again, Grant from Renewal Church is uh, uh, going to be preaching for us today. We'll share a little bit more of his story. I'm sure he'll share some when he's up here and at the end of the service and next steps and all that sort of thing. They're launching in Greensboro in January 2023. And so would you give Grant a hand as he comes and gives God's word for us today? Amen. Thank you. Pastor Dylan, for having me. Uh, I don't know after I'm done preaching, maybe you'll be happy I'm here, or you might say, man, he is quite desperate to have someone up here. No, I'm kidding. So if you have your Bible with you, as you turn there, I'll tell a little bit about myself, but we're in Mark chapter 14, verses 27 through 42, um, as we continue our series through the gospel of Mark. Um, so my wife and I, uh, my wife's name is Alexis, we have two daughters Eden and Sage. Eden is four, Sage is two, and we also have a third daughter on the way. Her name is Remy. Um, she will be here November 20th, uh, Lord willing, but if you ask my wife, she's probably hoping that's a little bit earlier than <laughs> November 20th. And so we are out currently in Greensboro, been there about five months now, and we have our first interest meeting today, so please be praying for that as we're seeking to recruit uh, a team of, I'm going big and bold and praying courageous prayers uh, that the Lord would give us 50 adults or teenagers on our team. Uh, so please agree with me in prayer uh, for you prayer warriors out there and pray about that so that the Lord would meet us on the other side of that. So that's a little bit about myself. And if you don't mind, we will now look at Mark chapter 14. Uh, I'll start in verse 27. Uh, I want to read into your hearing, verses 27 through 42. Then Jesus said to them, all of you will fall away because it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. But after I have risen, I will go ahead of you to Galilee. Peter told him, even if everyone falls away, I will not. Truly, I tell you, Jesus said to him today, this very night before the rooster crows um, twice, you would deny me three times. But he kept insisting, if I have to die with you, I would never deny you. And they all said the same thing, speaking of the disciples. Then they came to a place named Gethsemane. And he told his disciples, sit here while I pray. He took Peter, James, and John with him, and he began to be deeply distressed and troubled. He said to them, I am deeply grieved to the point of death. Remain here and stay awake. He went a little farther, fell to the ground, and prayed that if it were possible, the hour might pass from him. And he said, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not what I will, but you will. Then he came and found them sleeping. And he said to Peter, Simon, are you sleeping? Couldn't you stay awake for one hour? Stay awake and pray so that you won't enter into temptation. Uh, for the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Once again, he went away and prayed, saying the same thing. And again, he came and found them sleeping because they could not keep their eyes open. They did not know what to say to him. Then he came a third time. Man, they haven't gotten yet. And he said to them, are you still sleeping and resting? Enough. The time has come. See, the son of man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Get up. Let's go. See, my betrayer is near. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the privilege it is to 
worship you through song and also through hearing and preaching your word. And so, God, would you hide me behind your hand uh, so that your people might see you exalted? Uh, For those that might be in here this morning that are far away from God, bring them near. Uh, For those who are hurting, that are uh, weighed down by the uh, brokenness of this life, by the brokenness of our own lives, uh, that, God, you might comfort them, that you might repair the breaches of their soul and heart this morning. Uh, Lord, I just ask for you to move in power as we've prayed, as the Spirit moved over the face of the waters. We ask that the Spirit would move in our midst this morning. In Jesus' name, and all of God's people said. Amen. Superman is regarded as one of the most iconic superheroes of all time. He is quite the superhero with his explosive power. Um, This power causes him to be uh, a superhero who is really unmatched. Um, Not only does he have explosive power, but he has penetrating x-ray vision. His x-ray vision is so penetrating that he is able to see through solid objects. You know, what really sets him apart as a superhero is his lightning speed that he possesses. That although he holds this explosive power, it does not mitigate his lightning speed. Because oftentimes someone who is powerful and strong can sometimes lack the speed to get the job done. But... Superman, even though he has this explosive power, this lightning speed, this puncturing x-ray vision, he himself knows the plight of weakness. You know, one would think that him having this lightning speed, this forceful power, this penetrating x-ray vision, that he would have no weakness. But if anyone who is familiar with Superman at all, we would know that Superman does have a weakness. Um, His weakness is what people call kryptonite. And this weakness, right, even though he is such a powerful superhero, uh, he is not above the strong tide of weakness pulling him in. So when he gets uh, exposed to kryptonite, you know that he becomes weakened. Uh, Kryptonite is a radioactive shards of his former planet. And so if Superman is exposed to kryptonite, it is dangerous, even deadly. Exposure to kryptonite defrauds Superman of his power. So he is not able to do what he uh, is usually able to do. And any prolonged exposure will kill him. You see, Superman knows the plight of human weakness. And if we're honest this morning, we can relate, can't we? No matter how much we bench press, even though I love to bench press, no matter how much resolve we have, no matter how well we pretend that we have it together, even the strongest of us feel the depths of weakness. All of humanity understands the plight of weakness. Although we understand this fundamental aspect of our humanity, The problem is, it's not that we have weakness. The problem is this morning is that we hate to admit it. We live in a society, we live in a culture that people always say, we always say these words, be strong. As if any sign of weakness, as if 
any, if we're weak in any way, it is intolerable. It is not accepted. In my community in particular, any sign of weakness is unacceptable, especially for a man. If a man cries, if a man shows any hint of vulnerability, it's a problem. We immediately shut it down. I've seen it personally. If a man cries, if a young boy cries, we tell him he's being weak. He, he's being a punk. He needs to get it together. He needs to be strong as if weakness is the problem. Uh, but deep down, no matter how much we try to suppress it, how much we try to not admit that we are weak, we realize that humanity is haunted by weakness. We are not good at everything, except for myself. <laughs> Even if we want to be, we're not good at everything. Some of our weaknesses are more glaring than others. Some of us lack concentration. Perhaps we struggle with being dependable. Maybe we are prone to talk over others. Perhaps we struggle immensely with listening to others. That's another weakness of mine. Whatever the weakness may be or however, how glaring it may be, we know human weakness is unavoidable. We can't duck our weaknesses. There is a weakness that you can try to duck it all you want, but all of us in here, there has been weaknesses that have just punched us squarely in the face. Even when the spirit is willing, the flesh is weak. But human weakness, or better words could say limitations, is not our greatest problem this morning. Our greatest problem for which the world has no remedy is sin. That we can jump through hoops. We can sometimes hide our weaknesses for a season. We can even act as if we are okay this morning. Because I wish I had an honest church before me today. But the truth is, there is something wrong with us. Everywhere we go, it is as if sin is tapping us on the shoulder. Hey, you remember me? No matter where we go, no matter what we do, sin's allure is commanding. In fact, it is often crouching at the door and it's eager to control you. It's eager to bring you underneath its dominion, to summon us to do what it desires us to do. And all of us this morning have answered that call. When sin has called, we've given in to temptation. Even the most holy of us have missed the mark. Uh, but this passage before us today that is narrated by Mark reminds us of human weakness and sin. The gospel of Mark has consistently shown us the failure of the disciples. That no matter how many people Jesus heals, no matter how many people Jesus restores, no matter how many demons that Jesus cast out, the disciples just cannot help themselves. At every turn, they continue to fail. It's as if they are fragile, that they are here today and gone tomorrow. We are no different. We are haunted by weakness. We are haunted by sin. Now, the gospel of Mark not only presents the failure of humanity, but he documents the life of Jesus. That 
he writes it in a hurry. You've seen it as Pastor Dylan and has went through this um, series with you all. You have seen how fast he's writing that it seems that he cannot get his words out fast enough that your translation, some of them might say suddenly, some of them might say immediately, or some might say, and then he. You just keep on seeing it again and again. It is as if he is trying to tell the life of Jesus so that none of the eyewitness accounts are lost. That he is maybe panicking as if the spirit is going to let him down. I don't know. But he is writing at a fast rate, at rapid succession. Uh, and really to say it another way, he is narrating the story of Jesus. And this story of Jesus is presented as good news. That this story about Jesus is that it's the good news of God's cure. Mark tells us that humanity is fundamentally flawed, but he also tells us that there is an answer to humanity's problem. And his name is Jesus. In this passage today, this Jesus takes center stage. This text before us teaches us many things. But what I want you to see this morning is that we need a God. We need a God who can understand our weakness. And we need a God who can rescue us from sin. We need a God who not only sees our plight. Uh, but we need a God who does something about our plight. And that God this morning is King Jesus. You see, King Jesus sympathizes with our weakness and saves us from sin. I'm going to say that again because I didn't get a single amen. King Jesus sympathizes with our weakness and saves us from our sin. And now for 13 chapters, Jesus has been walking. He has... And as he's been walking, he has been healing. He's been casting out demons. He's been speaking with dynamic authority. Can't you see him walking this morning? Can't you see him opening blind eyes? Can't you see him restoring the defrauded? That this Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem. He is on his way to the cross. And as you know that he is almost there, that his hour is about to come. And so this Jesus, he opens in verse 27 as he's continuing to walk. He's going on a road. He has somewhere he must travel. And I know this morning it sounds like I'm telling the story because I am. And I want you just to peruse this story with me. I want you to see yourself this morning. That Jesus is going and he has a purpose. And he outlines what that purpose is in verse 27 as he says, all of you will fall away because it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. Jesus is echoing the words of Zechariah 13, 7 that says, sword awake against my shepherd, against the man who was my associate. This is the declaration of the Lord's armies. Strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. I will turn my hand against the little ones. Here again, Mark is using a repeated theme, and that theme is that Jesus is the suffering servant. He's the suffering servant because he has come not to be served, but to serve. He's the suffering servant because he has come to give his life as a ransom for many. He is the suffering servant because he has come to identify with the low of this world. 
And this suffering servant is God's associate, God's shepherd, God's anointed one, the long-awaited Messiah. And this Messiah, this Jesus, is suffering. He will die because it is God's purpose. That God in Zechariah 13, 7 predicted that I would strike the shepherd. He's saying I would deliver up Jesus to sinners to be crucified. And some of you this morning are like, why in the world would God do that? Why would he give up his only son to be crucified? Because in this text, it is showing us that sometimes it feels like things are in the hands of man, but they are really in the hands of God. That at the end of this text, you will see briefly in a moment that Jesus is going to be handed to over to the hands of sinners. But actually, he's not being delivered into the hands of sinners. He's being delivered into the hands of God. And so Jesus knows that he can go to the cross. He's on his way to Gethsemane and on the way to Jerusalem to die, to be killed for the sins of the world. But he is confident in his father because he knows whose hands he's in, that he's not in the, ma- the hands of man, but he's in the hands of God. And some of you can relate this morning because you suffered in life. And you felt as if you were in the hands of man. But I want to tell you this morning, you were really in the hands of God. That even when the diagnosis comes, that even if a child abandons the Lord, even if something catastrophic happens, you can still sing that, oh, I know that I can make it. I know that I can stand that no matter what may come my way, my life is in your hands. With Jesus, I can take it. With him, I know I can stand. No matter what may come my way, my life is in your hands. That's what you can do in the midst of suffering. Jesus knows he must suffer, and he must suffer alone. All of his disciples will fall away from him. He would have to face this moment alone. And so as they're walking, as they're perusing down to the Garden of Gethsemane, here comes prideful Peter. Lord, I'll go with you to the ends of the earth. He says, Peter, sit down. Before the rooster crows two times, you would deny me. Lord, there is no way. I will never deny you. If I have to die with you, I will never deny you. Y'all know poor old Peter. He just can't help himself. He's always the champion of the story. He's always telling Jesus what he's going to do in his own power, in his own strength. And this text this morning is tailored to teach us that you and I are just like the disciples. We hate to admit our weakness. He says, I can do it. And some of you this morning have been telling God, you can do it. God, I can sanctify myself. I can walk in righteousness myself. I can obey the will of God myself. You see, our greatest weakness is our failure to admit our weakness. And that's what Peter and the disciples are showing us. If any of you have children, you know that early on, children 
they lift up their hands to you. They cry to you because they're needy. They're dependent. Um, they're, when they lift up their hands, they're saying, Mom and Daddy, I can't, but you can. Oh, this morning, how I wish some of you would say, Lord, I can't, but you can. You know, there is something that children teaches us, and they teach us that we might can't get it done, but we know one who can get it done. We know one that looks over the balcony of heaven. That no matter what we may go through, no matter what struggles may come our way, no matter how hard it is to obey him, we know that we have one that we can go to him in any hour, at any moment. God, I can't, but you can. And let's keep on because I want to make sure we get through it all. As Jesus and the disciples have been going back and forth, they were on their way to a certain place. Now suddenly they have arrived at that place. They come to a place called Gethsemane, what is called the Press of Oils. Uh, this is ironic that Jesus is in the Press of Oils, that he's in the Garden of Gethsemane when he himself is under intense pressure. The place where they call the Press of Oils is the place Jesus is going to be pressed, that he's being hemmed in. That the text even says that he says, sit here while I go and pray that he's so heavy. He is agonizing at such a rate that he says, I have to go pray. Can't you see the agony of our Lord this morning? That he's agonizing over what is about to come. Here we see in this text is that Jesus goes to pray. Why would God need to go pray? Because this Jesus identifies with our weakness, that he became a man. His humanity is on full display right here, that Jesus agonizing and praying reminds us of his incarnation, that it means his incarnation. I know that sounds like a cuss word, but it's basically that Jesus is 100% God and 100% man, and that he is Man enough to identify with the weakness of humanity, but God enough to open blind eyes. He's man enough to understand what humanity experiences, but God enough to raise people from the dead. I wish I had some help this morning. He's man enough to need prayer for the weakness of his humanity, but God enough to perfectly submit to the will of the Father. Listen, Jesus says, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Take this cup from me. Nevertheless, not what I will, but what you will. Jesus is on his knees. As scholars note that he is agonizing at a point where he is actually sweating drops of blood. That he is suffering his humanity is he's showing it to his disciples, but his disciples they can't see it because they're sleeping. In his moment of, his greatest moment of vulnerability where he is showing us what humanity is like, that there's moments where we get so heavy that we can't help but just drop to our knees and pray. And as he prays, he says, God, you can do everything. There is nothing that you cannot do. 
Can you take this cup? The source of his agony is the cup. And for some of you, you might not know what's in that cup. And I want to help you this morning. What's in that cup is the wrath of God. That Jesus will suffer the, under the penalty and the punishment of sin. That he will take on the sins of the world. And he's like, Father, can you have another purpose? Can you change it? And we know what happens. Based on the text, the father denies it. Jesus' prayer is denied. The father denies Jesus' prayer so that the father would not have to deny us access to him. Oh, my goodness. And that's why he did it. The father told Jesus no so he can tell you yes. <laughs> Aren't you glad this morning? Some of you forgot when he told you yes. When you called upon him and he said yes because you thought you said yes. No, no, no. He said yes. He chose you. He chose the low and despised of this world. He chose nobodies and made them into somebodies this morning. That's what God the Father has done, all because Jesus identifies with us and rescues us through the cross. We need a God who identifies but also saves, and Jesus is that God. Because what good is a God? who sympathizes with us, but who is unable to save us. And what good is a God who saves us, but is unable to sympathize with us? As Hebrews 4, 14 through 15 says, Therefore, we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens. Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast to our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness but one who has been tempted in every way as we are, but yet without sin. Oh, that's, so, that's some good news. That not only does Jesus identify with our weakness, uh, but Jesus is the remedy for our human weakness and sin. By his strength, we are strengthened. By his death, we are freed from the penalty and power of sin. Now, let me move to my last transition before we close this sermon. And I'm going to presume I'm going to get a little bit of help as I close this sermon. The weakness of the disciples is amplified in verses 37 through 41. Jesus requested that his disciples stay alert. Uh, remember, the Passover has already occurred. And according to scholars, after Passover, Jews would stay up all night discussing God's redemption. But here at this moment, we see the disciples are too weak to even do their own Jewish custom. That at the moment where their redemption is right around the corner, they're asleep. Jesus says three times, are you still sleeping? All I said was stay awake and pray. Because he says, prayer, we need it when temptation comes. Because the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Because Jesus knows that prayer is a confession of our weakness and a realization of God's power.
Prayer is how we go to God and say, Lord, I can't, but you can. Uh, but often we're too busy. We would rather sleep like the disciples instead of staying awake and staying alert. We would rather trust and champion our own human effort rather than submit to the power and will of God through prayer. Oh, but there is good news this morning that as you see in this text, the disciples, while the disciples are sleeping, Jesus is praying. <laughs> what they are incompetent to do, Jesus is more than competent to do. This past week, as I was preparing this sermon, I was struggling. I'm like, what is the point of this sermon? I see a lot of different things here. I don't know what to do, Lord. And I'm usually, I don't go late into the week in sermon prayer. Usually I'm ahead in my preparation, and, but this week it wasn't the case. And so, Lord, I'm like, I'm struggling. What is going on here? And I begin to see their weakness, their failure. And then I saw, even though Jesus is weak, he's not failing. He's submitting to the will of the Father perfectly. He says, not what you will, but what I will. And this week, and this really hit home for me because I had an important meeting. I have been on every meeting. I have met with every person. Every lead I've went to, I had a meeting with a per person at a school that is a possible um, launch location for us. We have three possible locations, and that was one. We were supposed to meet Thursday morning at 8 o'clock p.m. I was up. I didn't sleep in. I'm on the phone, and it's 10 o'clock p.m. on Thursday. I said, oh, snap. I missed the meeting. The most important meeting up to this point in Greensboro, I missed it. You see, some of you this morning, I know you think that just because those who are in ministry or full-time ministry or pastoring, that we don't fail. But I tell you this morning, I failed. But I'm like the disciples in this text. I didn't measure up. I did not make it to the meeting. But there is one who is sitting at the right hand of the Father who stands in the gap for sinners. He stands in the gap for those who are unable to do perfectly what he can do perfectly. I might have missed that meeting, but Jesus never misses a meeting. And so what I'm trying to tell you this morning is that Jesus does for you what you cannot do for yourself. That when you are weak, he is strong. That when you don't have enough patience, he does. That when you don't have enough grace, he does. When you don't have enough long suffering, he does. When you don't have enough joy, he has enough. When you don't have enough self-control, he has enough. I wish you would get it this morning. I'm trying to make sure you get the point. When you don't have what it takes, he does. When you're not praying, he's praying. When you're sleeping, he's awake. When you can't fight, he's fighting.
And so this text teaches us that we are incompetent to submit to the will of God. And we need a God that can do it for us. And his name is Jesus, family. I think I can say that this morning. Family, we're family. When you couldn't obey the Father, as I close this sermon, I'm bringing it home. When you couldn't obey the Father, Jesus did. (laughs) When you failed to be loyal to the Father, Jesus was. When you sinned against the Father, Jesus didn't. And so Jesus comes to the close of this passage saying, now the hour has come. The hour has come for Jesus to be betrayed. The hour has come for the Son of Man to be lifted up. The hour has come for the purposes of the Father to be accomplished by the Son. The hour has come for Jesus to do what we could not do, fulfill all righteousness. The hour has come for the wrath of God to be poured out on the Son. The hour has come for the hands that healed, restored, set free, cast out demons to be nailed to the cross. The hour has come that the feet that were not swift to do harm but swift to do justice will be nailed to the cross The hour has come for the redemption of sinners. And that is good news for every one of us. Because when you can't, he can. So who this morning, you're still trying to do it based on your own merit. Who this morning has been afraid to admit their weakness? Because you think. God can't use weakness. No, God chose the weak thing to shame the wise. He chose the weak thing of the cross to save your soul. So how in the world can he not use weakness to accomplish his purpose? Because that's what he did through our Savior. Let's pray.